Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much uh, for checking us out this morning. Junior High, you're officially dismissed. We love you, Junior Hires. You are awesome. I am uh, Melissa Miller. I am not one of the lead pastors of the church. Obviously, you all heard from Pastor Ben this morning. I want to encourage you to come back next week to hear him. Or you can actually check out our podcast online. He preached an amazing message last week in our Selah series, talking about really focusing on worship rather than works. It was awesome. You don't want to miss the other messages in this series. And I am so thankful for my pastors. How many of you are thankful for Pastor Ben and Katie? Love them. And I love planting myself in this church continually because Jesus is at the center. And that is a good reason to plant yourself in a church. Amen. We are going to talk today in this Selah series. What does Selah mean? It means that it's that little uh, word that's in the Psalms that's kind of that word where you stop and take a breath before you go into the next stanza, right? So in this Selah series, we're stopping to take a breath. We're stopping to pause and listen and refresh and really begin to embrace what God is doing in this season right now. Because so oftentimes if we're in too much of a hurry and we're too too rushed, we miss out on the joy of what God is trying to do in our lives right now. And I know that there's no greater time for that if you're a parent, because time flies when you're a parent. It flies anyway, but then you get to see how fast they grow. And I don't want to look back. I don't know about you. I don't want to look back and say, oh, I missed that season because it goes so fast. So we're taking a season to really embrace what God is doing right now. How many of you have enjoyed this, this series so far? I love this quote by Mozart. It says, the music is not in the notes, but in the silence in between. Isn't that powerful? It's not in the notes, but in the silence in between. That there's beauty in between the notes. So we are going to talk today in this Selah series about how can we position ourselves to receive. And I've been in ministry with Ben and Katie for over a decade now. And what I've learned is that we can all be serving the same God. And he can be pouring out his spirit in powerful ways. It could be the same worship team. It could be the same prayer team person. It could be the same pastor. And one person could be receiving so much from God. Their cup is positioned in the right way. And they are receiving everything that the Holy Spirit wants them to receive, not because it's a different God or a different leader or a different church service, but because they position themselves the right way to receive. The person standing next to them maybe didn't position themselves in the right way. Maybe they've been around and they've known the pastor a little too long. Maybe they've known that small group leader a little too long. Maybe they've just said, you know what, I've read that Bible before. I've read that verse before. I don't know if it's really going to speak to me today. And so maybe the difference isn't that it's a different Holy Spirit or a different leader or a different worship team or a different small group. Maybe it's the difference is that they've positioned themselves in a little bit of a different way. Maybe it's that some people have said, God, I'm going to embrace everything that you have for me, every drop of your Holy Spirit. I want to position myself in the right way to receive. I want to humble myself. I don't want these walls of pride to get in the way of your spirit being poured out. I want to make sure that my cup is facing the right direction. How many of you want to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you today? So I'm going to talk to you about how we can position ourselves to receive. What do we need to lay down? What is it that we need to lay down? What is it that we need to embrace? 
and what is it that we need to expect. If we want to receive everything that God has for us in this Selah series, we're going to need to lay down some things, embrace some things, and adjust our expectation. So we're going to read this morning from 1 Kings 19, verses 9 through 19. If you brought your paper Bible with you this morning, you've got Judges, then you've got Ruth, then you've got First and Second Samuel, then you can flip right on over to 1 Kings. If you have a digital one, then it's super easy. You just type in 1 Kings 19, right? If you have our neat app, then you can actually follow along in our notes. If you don't, you can type in the word app to 858-943-2221, and it'll give you the link so you can download it. All our sermon notes are on there, and you can switch back and forth between the Bible and the notes. How awesome is that? And it'll save them for you, right? So if you ever want to go back to a message, and you're like, what was that point? What was that scripture? Super easy, right in your phone, right in your app. So we're going to read the scripture this morning, and we're going to pray and hear what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. First Kings 19, are you there? Say, I'm there. All right. Then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elisha, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elisha? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elisha heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elisha? I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, he replied, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're looking for me to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazel as king over Aram. You are to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah as prophet in your place. Then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And then Elisha goes to appoint Elisha as his successor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to receive everything that you have for us today, and we thank you for the power of your word, that it is alive and living and active. Lord, this isn't the same old book that we've read the same old time many years uh, in a row. God, this is new and fresh every morning. We thank you that we can read with great expectation today, that you're going to transform our hearts and lives, and we come open to receiving everything that you have for us today, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see Elisha here. He just got back actually from a pretty incredible experience. He destroyed 850 of the prophets of Baal. He lit up the altar supernaturally with the Lord's power. And, and, and the king, the, the wicked king Ahab, went back and told his wife Jezebel about all the great things that this prophet had done. And, and Jezebel threatens his life. So Elijah's on the run, and he is complaining, and he is tired, and he is just off of his adrenaline high. And it actually, right before this passage that we read, it actually, he wanted his life to end. He was just done. He was like, Lord, take my life. I'm done. I'm the only one. 
God kind of provided for him supernaturally with an angel who refreshed him, gave him some food to eat, gave him some rest, went on a 40-day journey, and then we see him here still kind of in this self-pity mode, still kind of in this moment of exhaustion and fatigue, and maybe he's just not at his best. How many of you have ever hit your head at the end of a very long day? You know what I'm talking about. Or you stub your toe, okay? I'm not a crier. But if I've had a long day and it never fails, if I hit my head, I am like the biggest toddler throwing a temper tantrum. Like, my life is horrible. Like, does anyone understand what I'm saying, right? I'm the only one. You hit your head on the refrigerator or the shower door, and everything was, was fine before and manageable before. But if you hit your head, your life sucks. It's over. It's horrible. Nothing is right. Why does God hate me? I hate my life. It's just this moment, right? We're just not at our best. Maybe for you, it's your toe. For me, it's my head. I don't cry, but if I hit my head, it's all waterworks, right? So Elijah's in this moment. This is not his best. He's exhausted. He's fatigued. He needs a Selah, right? He needs to just take a break and calm down a bit. And so God meets him in a very unusual way and a very special way. And his response is, is very significant because his response before he has this encounter with the Lord is the same response as he has after. And right after that, the Lord says, it's time for you to go appoint your successor. It's time for you to be replaced. And I think there's some significance there. I think there's some significance in how we can posture ourselves for an encounter with the Lord so that he doesn't look at us and say, you did not catch what I was throwing down, right? I know, we've got some high schoolers in here. I'm trying to be hip and cool on the lingo, and I'm sure I'm getting it all wrong, but I think that was kind of cool, right? <laughs> You've got to catch what God's throwing down. <laughs> so Elijah's in this moment, and and we can learn from these moments. And I had a moment when I was in the Mexico mission trip that you just heard about. My family went on that. It was actually our first family missions trips. And I think we have some pictures here that uh, are going to be put on the screen. And so this was our team, Pastor Steve. We got Lindsay, my family. And then we're missing the Riveras, but they were there as well. And then uh, we've got another. This was at the church service that we went to on Sunday morning. This is the homeless elderly facility where we got the opportunity to help feed them dinner. And then um, the next picture, this is us painting the uh, youth center. Um, such a great experience, but <clears throat> when we went to the homeless elderly facility, uh, we met Debbie's dad, Chewy, and that was the most impactful part of the trip for me because we got to hear Chewy's heart and his vision, how he got started. And it was all through a translator, but I could just feel the presence of God. And I actually didn't take a lot of pictures of that facility. It felt kind of like holy ground. It just felt like this moment I need to be fully present. I just need to be here and soak in everything that God has for me in this moment. And we got to hear from Chewy, and he began to explain how he got his start and how he saw an elderly homeless man uh, digging uh, food out of the garbage. And God spoke to him and told him to be faithful with every elderly homeless person that the Lord would bring into his path. And so one elderly homeless person started out as one, and then I believe it went to seven in their home. They continued, and now it's 170. 
and he would talk about how there was some elderly homeless person and he thought it was an animal or something in the trash can and it was actually one with no legs that he was able to get out of the trash can and provide a bed and some clothes and food. Another one, a blind man, was tied to the gates and they were able to untie him and bring him in and be able to provide a place for him to sleep and food for him. Many of them have mental health issues. Many of them have physical health issues, 170. And just to see how much actual work it was to feed these people just one meal. And we had our team with us to think they do that three times a day. And I said, hey, how often is Chewy here? And they said, every day. He's here every day. And then we were talking to Debbie, you know, after hearing all that he has done and, and seeing his vision and his heart for these people. And I were putting the tamales on the plates. And I said, Debbie, I am a horrible person. Your dad, look at your dad, you know? And I'm kind of joking. And she's like, yeah, me and my sister grew up with him. And actually his real name isn't Chewy, it's Jesus, of course, like Jesus. And his baptism name is Moses, of course. Um, he was amazing, Debbie. Your whole family is amazing. And here's what I took away from that. <clears throat> I'm not that good. Really, though, if God were to ask me to do that, and I don't know if there's any other honest people in the room this morning, but I think I might drag my heels a bit. That would be hard. Every single day. It's one thing to help serve a meal every now and then, but every single day this man lays down his life for probably a pretty thankless, pretty gloryless job. And he just lays down his life for these people and for what God has called him to do. And I think moments like that are so good for our soul. When we realize we're not the only one serving God. And there are a lot of other people serving God a lot more selflessly than I'm serving God. With a lot less credit. With a lot less expectation of thanks or recognition. It was amazing to see his obedience to the call of God. Amazing. And you know what? It's not that I really think I'm a horrible person and I'm going to help, but that's the beauty of it. It's that God isn't grading on a curve, right? Thank God he's not. That he doesn't look at Chewy and look at me and say, oh, you know, the amount of good works over here, really so much more impressive than Melissa. And so if I have to choose one or the other, I'm just going to go with Chewy. I'm so thankful God doesn't work like that. I don't know about you, but I get to be a daughter of God. Even though I'm in process, even though God knows I'm imperfect, even though God knows I drag my heel if there's certain things that he called me to, even though I'm not always obedient, I'm not always right, I'm not always good, I'm not always perfect, but God loves me anyway. God is so good. And when you have those moments when you realize I'm not all that good, but that's what makes God so good, is that he washed me clean, that when he looks at me, he sees Jesus, that he invited me to be royalty, that he invited me to be a part of his family. I'm not that good, but God, you are so good. You are so good that I don't have to be that good, to be worthy, to be in your kingdom, that it's not about how good I am. It's about how good you are, that you stood in the cap for me. I'm not that good. But Elijah comes into this encounter with God, and he starts his prayer with, I've been very zealous for you, Lord. 
I've been good. <laughs> Have you ever done that before? I want X, Y, and Z, so I'm going to tell God why I deserve it. <laughs> I need a new car, so let me just remind you, God, of how many rides I gave to these people who needed rides, right? Has anyone ever been there? I want a new house, so I'm going to tell God about all the times I open up my house for that small group that I lead, you know? I'm really good, so therefore, I deserve, right? It's a slippery slope. I've been very zealous for you, Lord. These people, they've been very evil. Here's all the bad things they've done, but good thing there's me because I've been really zealous and I'm the only one. Have you ever been there? They're wrong. I'm right. I'm good. They're bad. They're evil, but good thing you have me, God. <laughs> good thing you have me serving on that mission trip. <laughs> Good thing you have me. I've been very zealous. Moments when we remember that we're not the only one are so good for our soul. Moments when we can say, God, you've got a whole lot of other people you could use, but you chose me. That kind of humility is good for our soul. I'm not always right. I'm wrong sometimes, but God's always right. I'm not always good, but God's good all the time. Amen? Amen? And you know what? I'm not the only one. And that kind of uh, perplexes me why Elijah would bring this, because he just met Obadiah. He just heard about the prophets hidden in the cave. And then God reminded him, actually, there's 7,000 others that I could use that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. So when we get this I'm the only one mentality, I'm the only one serving God, I'm the only one doing it right, or I'm the only one who's, who understands this challenge that I'm going through, We've got to be willing to lay down our pride when we come into the presence of God. We've got to make sure that our cup is facing the right direction. To be able to say, God, I'm not that good, but you're really good. And I'm going to focus on your goodness because it's a lot better than mine. And you know what? Those people, they're making some mistakes. They're doing some evil things, but you love them so much. And when we get in the presence of God with that position, we walk away with more compassion for those people than when we walked in. God, you love them and you, you love me. You love all of us. And even though we don't deserve it. Every time Pastor Ben asked me to preach or lead a staff meeting, my first response in my heart is, why me? And I don't mean that in a way that I know I'm not capable. I can do it. But our team right now is phenomenal. And some of the people on our team have been in ministry longer than I've been alive. And our team, every single Tuesday when I walk away from staff meeting, almost every single time I have tears in my eyes. Because I am so grateful that I get to rub shoulders with the phenomenal leaders that God has put in place. I, I'm truly being genuine right now. I love the team that we get to serve with. I love our ELT team. I love our ministry team. I truly am honored. And so when he asks me to lead, or Pastor Katie asked me to lead the staff meeting, my first response is, why me? I mean, I can do it. Yeah, I'll do it. But why me? We have so many other phenomenal leaders that God could use. Why, why me? But you know what? I hope that I never stop having that response. I hope that I never say, God, why, why'd you pick me to lead this small group? I feel so honored. There's so many other people you could use, and yet you picked me? 
I get to be used to serve in the house of God? I get to be used to, to maybe be the first family checking the kids in when they haven't been to church in years and they gave up on God? And I might be the first smile that they see. God, why me? I'm not worthy to be used like that. God, it's an honor to serve in your house. It's an honor to be used by you. If we want to position ourselves to receive in God's presence, we must be willing to lay down our pride. There's a passage in Luke chapter 18 that, that gets me every time. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14 says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple complex to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee took his stand and he was praying like this, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, those wicked, right? I'm not like them. I'm good. I'm zealous. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven. But he kept striking his chest and saying, God, turn your wrath from me. I'm a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. God is so good, even when we're not. I'm not that good. But God, you're so good. And that simple truth humbles me so much because of what Christ did on the cross for me, that God can now look at me and see not my humanity and my failings and my sin and my past, but he can actually look at me and see his son Jesus. I'm sorry, but that just gets me. I, I don't know how we can receive truths like that and not walk away a little bit more humble than when we walked in. I don't know how we can have encounters like with men like Chewy and not walk away saying, God, thank you. You are so good. Because I see the way that I might respond if you called me to do something like that. And I, I don't know that I have that faith quite yet. But you are so good that you chose me and that you love me anyway. And you invited me into your kingdom and into your family. God is so good. Number two, if we want to position ourselves to receive in God's presence in this Selah season, we need to be willing to embrace a different facet of God. We serve a multifaceted God. He is limitless. He is infinite. Some people, you think you're going to get to heaven and it's going to be boring worshiping God. I promise you, it is not going to be boring because God is limitless and he's multifaceted. And just when you sing one song and you think that you are so full of his glory, he's going to just turn the other direction. You get to get to see another facet of God and it's going to blow your mind. But we can taste that here on earth right now. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven. We can taste that here on earth. And I believe that maybe Elijah came up onto this mountain. This is the same mountain that Moses had the burning bush experience at and that he was given the Ten Commandments at. So maybe Elijah was coming with that expectation that I want the big. I want the burning bush. I want the Ten Commandments. I want the big bombast experience with God, and I'm ready for it. I'm ready to experience him in that way. God wasn't in the earthquake. 
God wasn't in the wind and he wasn't in the fire, but he was in the sound of the gentle stillness. And if God is trying to reveal a different facet of himself to you, but you're still stuck trying to experience him in a way that you've experienced him in the past or maybe someone else has experienced him, you might just be missing what he's trying to do in your life right now. I believe maybe some of you young people, you think that maybe you haven't heard from God in a while. Maybe where is his presence? I haven't felt it in a while. But maybe God just wants to reveal a different side of himself to you. Maybe this time it's not at a youth camp or a youth retreat. Maybe this time it's not at a conference. Or maybe this time it's not even when the band's playing on Sunday morning. But maybe he just wants you in the quietness of your morning to go watch the sunrise. And open up this word and listen to the sound of the gentle stillness and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and show you a very beautiful but different side of himself. Maybe he's going to pour something into you that you're going to need throughout your day to minister to somebody else. But because you haven't taken that time to say, God, I'm going to still myself before you, and I'm going to say la. Maybe you're missing it. What does your relationship with God look like on Monday morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday? Why wait till Sunday when you can experience the presence of the Holy Spirit every single day of the week? Are you willing to embrace a different facet of God, a different facet of how he's trying to reveal himself to you. Maybe you know how to interact with him in one way, but he wants to teach you how to interact with him with reverence. Maybe he wants to reveal himself to you in the stillness. When we were at our house that we're currently moving out of, when we first moved in, the landlord told me about these grapevines in the backyard, and I thought, I am going to ruin these things. I do not have a green thumb at all. He's picking the wrong tenants because I'm not going to keep these things alive. They're beautiful, but I just don't have it. But he showed me how to lay them over the trusses, and I just thought, okay, I'll, I might forget. I might do it wrong, but I'll give it a shot. And sure enough, in winter, these things were just brown, and there was no leaves on them, no fruit whatsoever. And I thought for sure that I had destroyed these grapevines and that I had done something wrong. But then I was so pleasantly surprised by the time spring and summer came, they were fully in bloom. And the huge grapes that came off this small grapevine were so delicious and so wonderful. And there was bees all over because it was just sweetness all over in that corner of my backyard. I know some of you have tasted the grapes from my backyard. But I realized something. I wasn't doing something wrong. I wasn't doing something wrong in the winter season when they weren't in bloom. And we live in a society that tells us that we need to perpetually be in bloom. And if you're not in bloom, you're doing something wrong. You need to hustle faster. You need to work harder. You need to push more. But what if that's not the season that God has for you? What if he wants to learn how for you to rest in his strength and begin to trust the seasons? We see seasons in nature. We see the sun go up and the sun go down. We see the leaves come and then they fall, right? We see the tide go in and the tide go out. Why would we expect that we could be something different, that we could constantly be pushing harder, faster to be in bloom every day of the year? Maybe, like Psalms 1, 
the scripture says the tree was planted by the water. Maybe if we're planted by the water, even in winter seasons, we're just absorbing everything. All the nutrients, all the water, all the things that we're going to need for that summer season, we're just storing it up. And maybe you're not in a season of youth camp or youth retreats or the big bombast moments, but maybe you should be storing this up because maybe you're going to need it for the season that God's taking you into. Maybe you're going to need it for the season of being fully in bloom and God doesn't want you to burn out and God doesn't want you to push harder and faster in the season because you know what? If I would have done and gone messed, messed with those grapevines and, and tried to, to do something more with them so that they would be in bloom, I probably would have destroyed them. I probably would have done damage so that by the time summer came, they wouldn't be in bloom and we wouldn't have any grapes to eat. Maybe the answer is not cultural's definition of push harder, faster, hustle. Hustle is like the new word, right? The new hot word. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Jesus never, he wasn't busy. He wasn't uh, rushed. He wasn't hustled, right? He had a full plate, but he wasn't hustling. He wasn't hustling. I don't even like, I, don't even, I can't even say the word right. Hustle, hustle, hustle. I clearly is not my vocabulary. <laughs> We need to recognize what season that we're in right now. What season does God have you in right now? It might be time to scale back a little bit in the natural. It might be time for your kids not to be involved in every single sport. It's okay to take a break. It's okay. It's okay to take a break. What season does God have you in right now so that you can embrace the different facet that he's trying to show you? Number three, if we want to position ourselves to receive in God's presence, we need to expect to walk away different. Because Elijah had this encounter with God, and he had the same complaint as before. Word for word, I've been very zealous for you, the people have been evil, and I, I alone, am the only one left. Maybe God doesn't want us to walk away with the same perspective, and maybe that's why Elijah got replaced. Maybe he wants us to encounter his presence with an expectation that I'm not going to be the same. I'm going to be different. I'm going to have a different perspective. I'm not going to walk away with the same self-pity that I came in with. I'm not going to walk away with the same pride that I came in with. I'm not going to walk away with the same anger that I came in with. I'm not going to walk away being the same because when I'm in the presence of God, he changes me. He makes me more like him. I go from glory to glory to strength to strength. Come on. We we need to have an expectation that if our circumstances don't change in the presence of God, at least we know we can. God can change our perspective. God can change our heart. God can change the way we look at that person, that situation, or that season, and he can begin to give us a higher vantage point so that when we walk away, we don't walk away with the same pride and self-pity. We don't walk away saying, I'm the only one. We don't walk away saying, hey, look at me, I'm so good. We can walk away saying, God, you're so good. You're so great. You're so awesome, even when I'm not. And those people those people who are evil and doing wrong to you, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'm going to walk away with more compassion for them, to intercede for them. And I'm certainly not going to walk away from the presence of God thinking I'm the only one. When God shows me the miracle of the earthquake and the fire and the wind and how powerful and mighty he is, he's the God who used a donkey. He could speak through a donkey. He doesn't need me. He could just, he could just, take the microphone and it could just do its thing on its own. 
right up here. He could even use the cup as the analogy. He doesn't even need my hand. It'd be a really cool magic show. But God could do it. He doesn't need me. So let's lay down our pride, embrace a different facet of God, and let's expect to walk away different. I don't like it when people say, oh, yeah, I prayed about that a lot, and I, I read the Bible, and, you know, I, I still feel the same way. I don't feel the same way. If I've met with God, I walk away with a little bit different perspective. I might have the same problem, but I'm telling you, my perspective has changed because God has reminded me that he is a big God and nothing is impossible with him. And I might not be changed in my circumstances, but I sure can position myself to say, God, I want every drop that you have for me. And even if it means that I walk away the one corrected, I walk away not hearing what I wanted to hear. I walk away humbled and not necessarily feeling great about myself, but if I walk away feeling great about you, God, and you're glorified, and my perspective has changed, then that's a good day in the presence of God. Would you stand to your feet with me? God is so good. Doesn't it feel good for your soul to be reminded of that? Doesn't it feel good to be reminded that even when we're not so good, he is so good? Even when we're not right, he's always right. And even when we struggle to embrace a different facet of him, he never stops pursuing us. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, God, for your presence, Holy Spirit. You are amazing. You are so good. You are so good. And God, we come before you today not to say how good we are, And how deserving we are to be in your presence because we're not. But you are so good that you would choose us and invite us into your family and call us sons and daughters. You're so good, God. And Holy Spirit, we position ourselves right now to receive everything that you want to do in our lives in this season. Would you help us to embrace a different side of you? Would you help us not to miss you on Monday morning? Would you help us to come before you expecting to be changed? God, we don't want you to look at us and think it's time for us to be replaced. God, we want to position ourselves in the right way with humility. God, laying down our stubbornness, not walking away with the same perspective today as when we walked in. So we thank you, God, for your greatness glory and how good you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.